I don't have to be the problem solver as the manager or as the visionary. I'm the one who identifies what the problem is and then I let someone else solve it. But I have seen a real change, I would say, in the level of confidence. It, that has been tremendous for me. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. We're back for another episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. Brianne Dick here with, no surprise, Jill Giovanazzo. And Jill, Hello, I want to start off, I'm going to give you a word, and I want you to just give me your reaction to this word all right like just straight out like first thought or (laughs) just just go with it what i'm gonna tell you and i just want your honest reaction okay all right the word is streamlining uh yeah okay (laughs) so what are you meaning by that let's start there well i think that's the point right what is everyone always talks not everyone but a lot of people talk about how oh i need to streamline my business and this that or the other thing and i'm never quite sure on what streamlining means because it seems to mean about 20 different things if you ask 20 different people it's very much i find a catch-all term for various things. It's usually wrapped up somewhere in this idea that things are too complicated or there's too much going on. But there's one example that I think is really an interesting one, which is that if my business isn't streamlined, my team won't be able to stay ahead of me. And it's this idea like, oh, if I just get my business streamlined, then my business will be able to grow because my team will be able to get ahead of me. And, and I thought that was a really interesting concept and also a myth. Absolutely a myth. And it's interesting because this is actually a really great jumping off from our previous episode where we were talking about the idea of things falling through the cracks and mm-hmm. how SOPs were the solution we always hear about and how they're not always what they're cracked up to be. Did you hear what you just did there? Yeah. That things I, fall I through I the cracks the and yes, yeah. Thank yeah. You. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure because I caught it. It was very punny. I did that intentionally. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, continue. So uh, SOPs <laughs> aren't the solution they're cracked up to be. Uh huh. And so what often happens for people when they're talking about SOPs, the other thing that comes along commonly alongside this is this idea of, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, streamlining. For whatever that means. For whatever that means. I I think in general, and we did touch on this in the last episode, it's this idea that if there's more steps, there's more cracks for things to fall through, there's more places for things to fall apart. And so the idea is that if you streamline, i.e. remove steps or make things simpler, that things will then go more smoothly and you'll be able to focus on the right priorities and your team will be doing the right things. But here's what doesn't make sense to me about this, okay? It's this idea that if I streamline, that automatically means that my team will be able to be more efficient and that means they'll be able to be more steps ahead of me. And I don't understand that because it doesn't actually change how far your team is or isn't ahead of you because you've streamlined. They're still doing their thing, you're still doing your thing, all you've done is get rid of steps and did you even get rid of the 
right steps. So this is something that I hear a lot of and I don't necessarily understand it. I, I don't fully understand it either, but the concepts that I do see as coming out of this is this idea that if I remove enough obstacles, essentially that's how people tend to think mm -hmm. of it when they're thinking about streamlining, they're removing things, taking out obstacles, then my team can get ahead of me faster. They can progress faster mm -hmm. than I am progressing. Yeah. And, and right. so what's interesting about this for me is when we look at how it manifests in, yeah. right, in the online business world is, okay, what does streamlining mean? And usually if it comes down to one of two things, I think I'm going to streamline and that means I'm going to productize my service or I'm going to streamline and I'm going to turn it into a course. It's essentially the same thing, right? You're productizing, you're taking out all the unnecessary back and forth. You're making it a single path that works really well. You might as well have it be uh, wrap it up with a bow and call it a product. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're essentially trying to take out a lot of the decision points and a lot of the, as I said before, the obstacles and the challenges and all of these various pieces. And in some cases, as you said, you're not even necessarily taking out the right things. Take a, a good example I often see coming up when we have people coming through Academy, when we're going through the high value hybrid, is people identify a slowdown point of client interaction. And so they try and remove client interaction. Yeah. Well, it's not always the best thing to remove all of your client interaction and just make it a completely do-it-yourself experience for your clients. And, I, right? and that segues absolutely beautifully into a conversation I had with Patrice Perkins about what does that even look like when you do have values around collaboration and connection? How do you streamline and not lose that? And, and I think I'm just going to shut up and, and let Patrice explain it rather than me trying to explain it for her. My name is Patrice Perkins, and I am the founder of Creative Genius Law, which is a business, new media, and intellectual property law firm. And we work primarily with creators. You can be a traditional creative or a creative who is in a non-creative space. The biggest thing that I tried was probably getting into the course space. And the reason why I wanted to dabble in the course space is because we were hearing a message around um, this is the way to scale your business. If you are in a traditional business, service providing business, mm -hmm. you scale by providing a course. And I wanted to be able to leverage that for my business. And the reason why I never made it live is because for me, the course creation part, especially when it came to a field like legal, just didn't feel aligned with my values. My mm -hmm. value is around collaboration and partnership with my client. And so how could I really embed that value in a course that they would essentially take and go, you know, and go away with? Sound familiar? Exactly. The idea of designing and delivering a course can sound absolutely tempting. And from that kind of passive perspective of, you know, we set it up once and it just runs and it does its thing and we can focus on other things. But in the end, it actually takes an entirely different set of skills and day-to-day interaction and focus from you and your team than offering a one-on-one -on -one or a one-to-many kind of service. It's, it's still going to be, there's still effort involved. There's still work involved. You still have to maintain it. You still have to do all of these things. Patrice was talking specifically about, you know, this message out there that you need to turn your stuff into a course and so on and so forth. 
but it doesn't even necessarily have to go to that extreme. We can see this even trying to create productized offers. I don't know if the Facebook ads are still going around like they were a few months ago, but it seemed like I couldn't scroll through my timeline without someone who had an ad telling agency owners, if you want to scale, you need to have a productized offer and you need to productize it. I get it, right? When we talk with clients who have really bespoke services, we work with them to I'm going to use that word, streamline, quote unquote, that, so that they get down into an offer that is easier to deliver and doesn't have all of you know this extra extraneous stuff in it. But that's different from switching to something that is essentially going to be cookie cutter or routine or templatized or you know the idea that it's going to be the same thing every time and if you have a service the only way that you get the same output every time is if you have the same input every time and you put it through the exact same process well if you have a different client that doesn't work different clients have different needs different situations it, it just falls apart so streamlining and productizing can't be the same thing and, and one can't be a solution for the other. And they can't be the be all end all either. And this kind of, for me, in a lot of ways, this kind of comes back to, again, a little bit of what we were talking about last episode about the standard operating procedures is defining the what's, is defining the outcomes, as -hmm. opposed to defining the how's of achieving those outcomes. Oftentimes when I hear people talking about streamlining, they're talking about outlining how to get from point A to point B with regards to a client delivery. And as you said, that's not, honestly, I think of it as being inflexible. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not adaptive. It doesn't allow for the situations to really give light to what's actually going on for the clients as they come through. And it's the difference for me between having something quote unquote productized. And I, that's another word that I I equate with the streamlining from a definition standpoint. It's one thing to have productized, but for me, it's very different than to turn around and say, actually, I'm going to set up a series of frameworks Uh and guide you through those because those have a little bit more flexibility and adaptation that you can involve yourself and involve your team in. But I think I'm jumping the gun. But that's okay because I think there's an interesting tension that goes on, right? Where it's like, there are things that are going to be routine. There are things that are going to be relatively the same, if not very similar, right? For many of your clients and if you peel back the layers and you look at that overall framework and the overall core process that we take people through, you'll find the similarities, you'll find the pathways there. But that's different than making everything routine and making the details be streamlined so much that you're taking the decision making out of it. And that's where I think we run into problems, whether it's a service business or it could be a coaching program. And I see coaches do this all the time. All the time. Whether it's that they're trying to go from one-on-one or group or simply they've got a group program and they're like, okay, I want to scale this up. So I need to streamline it even more, which usually means I need to take out more of the personal touch. I need to take out more of those things that require decisions. I need to make it more routine so that we can deliver more of it and it becomes more scalable. Or the other one I often hear is I need to put in more automation. It's not that automation is right. 
And it's not that automation is wrong, it's a tactic. It's a solution that should be in your toolkit, but only if you're trying to solve the right problem in the first place. And in the end, what we're kind of looking at here is what still then needs to happen for us to be able to move forward with this and still be able to streamline <laughs> our opportunities or our delivery properly to allow us to actually increase capacity, to allow us to increase flow and to reduce stress. And to allow our team to be able to take the lead on things, right? Because yeah. that's ultimately where a lot of people want to get is I need to streamline things so that other people can do it so that they can take it over. That's why people productize. That's why we try and make everything routine. And I think what's really instructive about all of this is realizing that there are different approaches that are going to be more impactful. Yeah. And that it's not just a one size fits all. I'm just going to toss the mic back over to Patrice. Every single step in that, in delivering that service, we broke down every single step. And then we determined what is the value to you? What is the value to the client? And just that part alone was a, was highly effective for me because I was able to see where there was a misalignment, where mm -hmm. there were areas. And I'll give a clear example. One areas where we thought it was really high value for the client, but it was really high value for us and low value. And that example is these detailed status letters we would write at a certain stage um, in the process, maybe two hours to write a letter because we wanted to include all of this detail. But then we would notice that clients really didn't read it. And so mm. through this process, Brianne, I discovered the clients really don't get the value in that. What they really value is knowing that I'm on top of their case. And mm -hmm. if they have a question that it's going to be answered in a clear way. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, in that, Patrice does a really great job of talking about how did she break this down and how did she really start focusing in on what could she do instead? And this is this is something we talk about, again, in the Academy. I think we talk about it actually in episode or in season one, but we talk about increasing mutual value. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's basically what Patrice is starting to get at here is that where was it really high value for the client, but low value for the team? And how can we make that change so it's mutually of high value to both sides? I think it's really instructive as well to notice here that it wasn't about streamlining for streamlining's sake. Patrice didn't go into this and say, I'm just gonna streamline the thing because it needs to be streamlined. Instead, what she was looking at it from the perspective of was where is their misalignment? Yes. So rather than just saying, I'm gonna streamline because I need to, she was looking at, to put it in maybe common language, where are we over delivering in ways that aren't worth it? And on the flip side, it's, it's almost kind of like too, are there places where we're under delivering, right? Are, are we putting so much time and effort into this one area? Whereas if we dialed that back a little bit, then we could put more into other areas. Yeah. And that's a fascinating conversation that I love having with our academy clients as they go through the second project. Because when we're going through that, we're talking a lot about where can you do things differently? Where can you make these adjustments and realign things and it's not just about like, so often for everyone it's about okay what can i take away what can i reduce what can i pull back on that's the whole idea behind for a lot of people that's the whole idea behind streamlining right yep. 
And the thing that often is forgotten is that there are times when we actually want to put obstacles in front of our clients. Mm. Let me say that okay, again. Tell There's me more. times when we want to put obstacles in front of our clients. Yep. Because we as human beings, our bodies, our brains, our minds are set up to form habits. And the only way we can overcome habits, or not the, not the only way, but like the main way of overcoming habit is to challenge ourselves or to be challenged externally by something. And if we remove all of the obstacles for our clients that would give them challenge to overcome, give them reason and give them impetus to break out of their habit, then we're actually slowing down their transformation. And that means mm. that they're likely not going to be able to get the result that they want as fast or as well. So what I'm hearing and what you're saying, Jill, is that streamlining can be a detriment to the client yes. experience, right? We're not just taking out you know, personal touch or, or productizing or, or whatnot, but we can actually be taking out things that if we left them in because they're challenging, maybe they would prompt clients to think about things differently. Maybe they would look at them through a different lens, maybe whatever the exact outcome would be. But there's also this idea that if we're over delivering in the wrong places, chances are probably that we're under delivering in places where we could be providing more value more appropriately. And that's a really important thing to consider as well. Yeah. And actually, I'd love to actually let Patrice weigh in on this because she had a really great example here about reinvesting that time for her clients. We were able to, in the areas where we saved on the team's time, we were able to reinvest that time into the areas that were high value for the clients. And so one of those areas was clients are really excited when they come in and that is a time period in the process that they place a lot of value on. Mm -hmm. So what we had typically done was I would do one-on-one -on -one calls with them, which was another time drain that we discovered. And it didn't align on the value scale. It was high value for me because I thought that they needed it, but it was in the middle for them. And so what we did there was we replaced it with a group, I would say orientation or like onboarding call. What they have loved about that is the camaraderie of knowing that other clients are going to it through a similar process. Make sure that we're giving every client the exact same information at the same time. I think what's really cool about this is that, you know, in our business, we've actually made the opposite choice, right? Patrice says that she was able to reinvest the team's time from doing those reports and all that stuff she was talking about into being able to be more more conscious with onboarding and really making that a great experience and it's not that we haven't been conscious about investing into onboarding and creating a good experience but when patrice was looking at that mutual value exchange what she said is you know for us the onboarding what being one-on-one -on -one was super high value for me but not for our clients and what we've found is almost the other way around right where the one-on-one -on -one onboarding maybe it's not the best use of a team member's time to do a one-on-one -on -one call all the week but the value to our clients because of the situation they are in when they come to us is so much higher that it is the perfect place to reinvest the time that we've saved elsewhere, we're 100% gonna keep those one-on-one -on -one calls because it makes such a difference. And that right there is exactly why you can't just standardize streamline. You can't just streamline one way across every business, across every offer, across everything. 
because what you just articulated there is that the situations are different, the value is different, the transformation that we're trying to do with our clients and that Patrice is trying to do with her clients are entirely different scenarios. Mm -hmm. And as such, the value attached to the things that we are doing is going to be different. And as such, the alignment has to be different as well. And that's where I think this whole kind of mindset about streamlining for streamlining's sake falls apart because it's not about doing fewer things. It's not about where am I wasting time? It's about where should I be doing things differently so that I can reinvest my time in the right things. And with the right things, one thing to always think about, and I I always like to talk with the clients about the 80-20 rule. 80% of our clients' results are coming from 20% of our efforts. Mm -hmm. So when we're looking at doing things like streamlining, our focus actually needs to be on the 20% and how we can do more of that 20% and make it better and amplify it. That's what I was looking for. Amplify it Mm -hmm. such that we are then amplifying the 80% that the clients were getting from the results. Yeah. So I, I think that addresses the streamlining part of this myth pretty well, right? Like that streamlining isn't just this panacea, one size fits all solution. But I think the other side of this myth is still important to look at, which is, you know, what about the whole, I want my team to be able to get ahead of me, right? So the reason that people want to streamline in the first place is because they want their team to be able to be getting ahead and taking care of things. And, and, and you know, the idea is I just want to be able to show up and do my thing and know that all, all the rest of it's taken care of. And so if I'm not streamlining as the way to get there. What am I doing instead? Drum roll, please. <laughs> you need to empower your team. You need to empower your team to be able to make the decisions that align with your delivery, that align with your purpose, vision, mission, and values, that align with your culture, so that you don't have to be the one being called in all the time to make those decisions on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about that, right? How when you are streamlining, a lot of what you're doing is taking out decisions. Yes. But that doesn't work when decisions are the human thing. I mean, that's what makes business work. It's what allows us to evolve as industries change, as markets change, as we change as people, right? Like nothing's static. And so this idea that we can streamline and productize and and boil everything down and it's never going to need to change, it makes absolutely no sense. Zero, zero sense. So we need to then, as you said, rather than trying to eliminate the decisions, because they're always going to be there, instead we need to say, how can I get other people making decisions? And it's that empowerment that allows the team to be able to get ahead of us, stay ahead of us, because they can see what's coming down the pike, even if we can't. And Patrice explained this just absolutely beautifully when I talked with her. I am a type A personality who enjoys many different aspects of my business. And so that also means that I didn't mind doing like all of the things in my business, even with a team present. And so knowing what I should be responsible for and the thing that comes to me first is that I don't have to be the problem solver as the manager or as the visionary. I'm the one who identifies what the problem is and then I let someone else solve it. And so that was key for me because I spent a lot of time um, feeling like I always needed to solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. And what 
that shift created was that allowing my team to then solve the problem created a new sense of ownership. And then I also think it led to just increased confidence around, I can not only do this role, but help make decisions that are key for the business in a way that serves us all. And so I have seen a real change, I would say, in the level of confidence around that, that came from saying, well, here's what I've seen in the business. And can you take a look at it? Let me know how we can resolve this or streamline it or whatever. I it, That has been tremendous for me. One thing I love about what Patrice was just saying there was not only was she talking about how she empowered the team to be able to make the decisions and do the work without her being in the middle, without her being the one that was having to validate it all, but she also empowered them to improve the process for themselves. And so allowing them to actively solve their own problems is a huge piece to this whole mm -hmm. puzzle not just from perspective of streamlining the work in the first place, but of being able to maintain it and to improve it. Right. Again, going back to our last episode, we were talking about zones of genius and how bringing those zones of genius into play allow us to make things better. I think what's so cool about that is in, in the framework that we teach and that we take our clients through, we talk about the relationship between these structures, right? What's the relationship between results and profit? What's the relationship between results and team? But one of the most interesting relationships that does not get nearly enough play in any conversation that I've been a part of is the relationship between team and profit because you look at your P&L and your team is an expense. But what I want you to really start asking yourself is how can my team be a profit center? How can they be creating not just more revenue, right? How can they not just be bringing in more money, but how can I be sure that my team is actually generating more profit and you know, in, in our world, in the way that we talk about this and teach this, this comes down to having the culture which has the team being empowered, which has them proactively owning their area, and it requires them to be five steps ahead. And I think that, at the end of the day, is such a mind shift to realize that it's not, oh, I streamline and that's what allows my team to be five steps ahead. It's actually the other way around. When we empower our team, they will start to operate five steps ahead. And part of that will be that they will streamline. Yeah. And that streamlining isn't always just about eliminating. It's about That's right. what can you do differently. One thing you can do is you can sit down with your team and ask what it is that you are spending a lot of time on that mm -hmm. isn't necessarily valuable to the clients or doesn't really help them or give a big impact on the transformation that you're looking to achieve with them. I think everyone knows those moments when it's like, why am I spending so much time on this? No one cares. Yeah. Your team has those things. I guarantee you that they have those things. Jill's point is exactly right. Like, why don't you just ask them? Where, what are they spending time on that they're like, I don't really see the point of this. Yeah, they feel like they should do it or they have to do it, not like there's actually- It's probably because it was on an SOP somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. It was on an SOP that they have to do it and they're like, why am I even doing this? I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. And then once you've identified that, then it comes down to 
figuring out what to do with it. Don't get me wrong, elimination certainly is an option, but is there a way to do it differently? And then let your team take it from there. Right, and let them come up with those ideas about how to do it differently. You know, we, we were talking a lot about Patrice's case here, but last season we talked to Jenny B, and you know, that's a great interview if you haven't heard that one in terms of how do you actually get your team coming up with ideas? Quite simply, you ask them for it. So I think that's a great place to leave this conversation. I want folks to give this a try. I want you to go to your team and I want you to ask them, what's something that you feel like takes a lot of time and you don't actually think it's worth it? And then ask them what they think the solution is. What could we do instead? Because, I mean, maybe they could just get rid of it, but maybe they have some creative ideas about how they could do it differently. So I want you to do that. And then I want you to circle back and you can hit us up on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever your social media platform of choice is. Send us an email, snail mail, pigeon carrier. I don't really care. What I care is that you circle back and you let us know what was the thing that your team is spending way too much time on and what was the solution you came up with. Uh, you and your pigeons. <laughs> and then as always, we appreciate you being here and listening. And we are coming to you from the unceded territory of our Qualcomm First Nations. I'm Jill Giovanazzo. Thank you again for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Visionary CEO Podcast. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.